0: we that life, living that life, we just living that life.
1: You're listening to the Living That Life Digital Nomad Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes if you're a boss, and check out the YouTube channel for dope travel videos. Chiggity, check it, what's up? Welcome back to the Living That Life Podcast. Today I got a special one for you. I got Trevor of eCommerce Paradise. I met him a while back in Chiang Mai, and basically he crushes it with high ticket drop shipping he's been living the digital nomad life i think longer than i have and he is going to explain the basics of high ticket drop shipping how he does it and if it might be an option for you because as you guys know with my whole blog it's I consider it my job now to be presenting different ways that people can start living that life, aka start an online business and be able to work remotely or have some sort of online hustle. And drop shipping, in particular, high ticket drop shipping, is a way that can make that possible. So, what's up? What's up with me? Real quick, I am chilling here in Bangkok at a Starbucks. Yes aka the biggest co-working space in the world and I got the one and only Parker Morris over there doing business calls, we're hustling, we're grinding we're doing Europe this uh, this summer so we're very excited about that I am working on relaunching my Amazon course version 3.0 that's coming out very very soon so I'm excited about that We're I'm bringing on interns, we're doing lots of stuff, so anyways that's what's up with me guys, a little bit about Trevor he is the founder of ecommerce paradise you can find his blog at ecommerceparadise.com. basically he's been doing this for multiple multiple years making enough money of course to live the digital know my lifestyle he's in Bali right now and yeah he's crushing it so he's got his own course not just course but it's a case study and coaching program so here is his blog I'm just showing you guys real quick and, uh, yes, you can get in contact with him if you want to learn more about high-ticket dropshipping and if that might be something that you're maybe looking into or uh, if you want to figure out if it's right for you. So, Trevor, what's up? How's Bali?
0: What's up, Riley?
1: Yo, yo. Bali's good,
0: man. Sitting inside of my little apartment because it's super hot outside right now. It's probably, I don't know, close to 95 degrees. I actually kinda oh, yeah. wanna go surfing. So you better make this podcast quick, man. <laughs> <laughs> the waves are looking real nice.
1: <laughs> exactly. It turns that out it gets raining in Thailand right
0: around the end of May. So I figured, you know, it'd be a good time to come out to Bali and enjoy the sun.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um yeah, I'll be back in Bali very soon. As you guys know, I was there for a month recently. And um, so, yeah, I guess right off the bat, um, tell people, okay, you got your little villa there. Um, So, yeah, how long have you been doing uh, high-ticket dropshipping? How long have you been making money doing high-ticket dropshipping? And how long have you been living the the nomad life, as we call it?
0: Yeah, so it's been a long journey. I started with high-ticket dropshipping in 2011 before I even knew what the term high-ticket dropshipping meant. Uh, I was working a day job at a sales firm selling security uh, supplies in uh, Los Angeles, California, and uh, they're a uh, wholesaler. So I was uh, doing orders for some customers and it turns out they wanted certain things drop shipped Mm. blind, which I didn't really understand until they started doing it. And then I realized what they were doing is they were selling the products to their customers but not having to ship the products themselves. Instead, they were using us as the fulfillment uh, center for their products, and they didn't even have to buy the products first. They just had to sell them, and then they would buy them from us and mm-hmm. have us ship them directly to their customers. So I was doing drop shipping for customers. So I kind of had a leg up wow. to understand how the whole business model worked even before I ever even got into it as Notch Mirror, which was kind of cool.
1: Well, wow. so. so how did you? Yeah, how did you go from there to get into the online game?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I was thinking about starting the dropship store, selling locks and security supplies and stuff like that. But the big problem in that niche is that there's so many part numbers and weird finishes and strange keyways and um, back set issues. Like there's all these technical terms you have to understand because if you, if you have a lock and a door, there's a million different dimensions for that thing. And so it's a really painful thing to do. Selling online is to understand, do all the pre-sale support, probably deal with a lot of Issues where the customer ordered the wrong product and having to do return returns and refunds and stuff like that So I decided not to go into that niche and plus I was working a job there anyways It would kind of be like a uh, It would be a bad uh, mix to if I got caught doing it for some reason So I decided Mm -hmm. to um, think about other products and I'm a skateboarder. So I thought, you know, why not try skateboards? And so I started looking online for suppliers and um, couldn't really find any, you know skateboard industry is all based in the core skate shops so uh you know it just didn't really work out as far as that goes i would actually need to set up like a physical retail storefront skate shop or some some sort of a big warehouse to get a supplier and so you know it's too bad but i just wouldn't be able to do that and the only thing i could do in skateboarding is probably start a skateboard brand um so i did try that for a little bit started a brand called beatnik boards and made a couple Mm. uh, deck uh, designs and some shirts and started with some hardware and I got him into some shops on consignment and stuff like that. And I made a few sales. It was kind of cool, made a few bucks, but it wasn't profitable and it wasn't worth my time. So um, I decided to look elsewhere for niche ideas. And I actually ended up running into a locksmith who was interested in setting up some sort of an entrepreneurial business. And so he's like, hey Mm. man, I'll buy you a website. And I honestly, back then I had no idea how to even buy a website. That was before I even knew anything about that. And he just bought me a website with GoDaddy, and I was just so blown away. Like, whoa, dude, we actually own this domain? Like, at the time, for me, it felt like I had, like, bought a star or something in the sky, and like, I own that star. I just had no idea how websites worked at all. Yeah, Uh, yeah. So so that was it. I got really lucky, I met a guy, and he bought me a website. And that's where it all began.
1: Okay, wow, great. Okay, so, so, uh, flash forward to to today. I know you don't like to brag about how much you're making, but let me just tell you guys, he's doing this full-time, for sure. And, um, so yeah, how long have you been full time kind of going nomadic and, uh, yeah. Why did you decide to go nomadic, I guess?
0: Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, it was more about, um, just quitting the day job. You know, that was the main thing. I remember waking yeah. up in the morning, um, having to, to wake up at like six thirty-seven, or else I'd be late for work and, um, oh, I would yeah. have to, I would have to go to, uh, oh, thanks man. That's my Insta. Yep. Those yeah. All yeah. My
1: Maybe we get some visuals up here while you tell the story.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a long feed there, man. So many posts. 6,077 posts so far. Um, wow. I've been doing that since 2009? 2000, no? Maybe like 2011, 2012. So like at least like four or five years. But anyways, wow. um, so yeah, once I, um, once I got to that point in my mindset where I decided that I no longer wanted to work a job, that I was going to do whatever it took to escape that day job, to escape that rat race of having to wake up in the morning hustle, drive really fast to get to work on time, you know, like answer calls and and take sales for for somebody else and make somebody else rich and then, you know, drive home and just sort of skate and, you know, like do whatever. I I was over it. I was just totally over it. I wanted to travel. I wanted to to skate and do stuff I wanted to do during the day. So I made that mental decision. I just, that was the decision I made. So I remember waking up one morning, I told myself like, I'm going to do it. So it was like an epiphany, like an aha moment. And uh, that happened around um, early to mid 2010 sometime. Um, and then, so we started the business, it was kind of slow growth, but we were selling um, online. We we actually weren't even, we didn't start with Shopify or anything like that. We started selling with an eBay alternative called eCrater, um, putting in some product listings. They were actually driving traffic with Google shopping ads, which is really cool. And, um, and I didn't really even appreciate that back then. But, um, and that's in Bali, by the way, right there, that's a handrail I found when I just got here in Bali. It's Yeah, sick. you're, okay. It kind of pans out. You can see the ocean and stuff. It's
1: yeah, really dude, you're happy. sick. You're sick at skating. <laughs> that's dope.
0: Yeah, so uh, anyway, just just try to speed up the story. Um, throughout those years, we weren't doing any paid ads, but I did start with uh, WordPress and WooCommerce. And okay. um, we did end up making um, half a million in sales in 2014. And this is all just while working from home. So basically, it was you know utilizing every single resource I possibly could on the internet to make money to sell these products. Um, and we got really lucky. We got some really good suppliers and trendy products. And I learned how to do SEO and you know do a lot of content marketing, social media marketing. So that, uh-huh. that was our first thing. Um, but then in 2014, <laughs> I tried to start a physical retail uh, storefront and it was a big pain oh, in the ass. Man. Wow. It literally took me like 10 times as much money and 10 times as much time uh, to start up. And it was it was a big dream I had because I wanted to do it. Um, and uh, we were trying to trying to become successful, but there were so many parts and, and so many weird customers. And it was just in a bad area. It was a bad location. Um, and we ended up just shutting it down six months later. We were so over it. Um, and you know we we ran into a lot of issues, but it ended up working out that we got back into our house and we took our website back and um, started going again. And instead of trying to grow it, I just decided to sell it. So we sold it early twenty fifteen, and that was the start of our digital nomad journey.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, okay. We sold
0: it for around fifty thousand dollars, so that was kind of like a nice big payout. And nice. Sweet.
1: Yep. Awesome. So uh, where did you start? traveling
0: well we, we started uh, road tripping that was kind of our first thing i, I wasn't uh, really like aware of how you could like travel to southeast asia and stuff like that and um and live on cheap yet so um we were just you know let's sell all our stuff in our house and and pack it into a car whatever we actually need to live and uh, so we sold it all on craigslist uh for a week or two um i sold my car and we kept my my wife's car and i sold my motorbike and all my bicycles and stuff like that Um, everything I I sold and um, basically got back what I, what I had paid for it. And then uh, we started traveling. So we traveled through all the national parks on the West coast area, through Nevada, Mm. through Utah, through Wyoming, through Idaho, through Washington, down back through Oregon, through California. So we did like a whole road trip that summer and basically camped out at campgrounds, you know, average price is like 30 bucks a night to camp or something like that. So it was really fun. Got to see all these national parks and do a lot of hiking and stuff like that. So that was a blast. That was a good summer.
1: Nice. And so how, um, have you been based out in Southeast Asia recently or, and how did you make your way out here?
0: Yeah. So 2016, we kind of had to settle back down and start making money again. And uh, we decided to pick up uh, an online course to help us do that. And so we did and uh, we ended up creating another store and driving some more paid traffic and it started working. So at that point we had a, a business again, we had some income instead of having to like drive for Uber or Lyft or anything like that, we could actually work online again. So we're like, okay, so now we have a, another location independent business. What should we do? And I started looking around that time at YouTube and I found a lot of cool videos on Chiang Mai, Thailand, cause it turns out that's a big digital nomad hub. Um, a lot of people go out there. It's very cheap to live. It's very safe. There's a lot of cool digital nomads, people from Western countries and from Australia and from the UK all kind of come together and they meet up and mastermind and do, do events and do talks. And there's tons of people to, to network with. Um, and that kind of thing, you know, it, it's really, really cool. And it, it's easy to take for granted, but in a lot of other big cities in the world, it's kind of hard to find entrepreneurs. You have to go and like go to meetup.com and find specific entrepreneur groups. And there's a lot of people doing like startups and technology startups, um, mm-hmm. and like brands and stuff like that. There's not too many people doing yeah. like high ticket dropshipping or Amazon, FBA. Yeah, like, yeah. those business models are like digital nomad business models, you know, Yeah, so you it was like kind of solopreneur
1: type hot type hustles.
0: Exactly. And Chiang Mai is full of them, so we uh, we love Chiang Mai. We went there for four months in late twenty sixteen. We we bought our tickets. We just sat down at Starbucks one day. It was uh, it was like May or something, mid twenty sixteen, and I just was so afraid to hit that you know submit button, that purchase button, but I did it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Props, man. <laughs> that was- That's what I tell people: just click your <laughs> finger, and you'll find <laughs> yourself here in Bangkok.
0: Exactly. You, you have no choice at that point. You have to take the flight. Um, so yeah we just decided to to make the flight and we did and it was it was amazing Chiang Mai was really nice in the beginning um it was a good place to start cuz it's really calm as far as southeast asian cities go it's it's not too crazy you know and there are some really cool people there and the Thai people are amazing wonderful and super welcoming and it's very warm um and like yeah everything is super cheap so
1: Yeah That's, absolutely why why not i mean you just same story as all of us you go on youtube and you see people live in the southeast asia startup plan and you're like, "Oh, that sounds pretty good. I can save money while living in beautiful weather and having palm trees, like I do out here. I have a palm tree in the parking lot, and I happen to have one on my shirt, but it's the little things that make you feel on vacation that just give you that good feeling, and you got the elephants, yeah, of course
0: <laughs> we're such
1: We're such digital bromads." <laughs> Um, okay, Okay. great, once, great, once great.
0: you go to Southeast Asia, you never go back, right?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, at least there, there's a big, big world out there. But, you know, we're still young and we have our whole lives to kind of explore. And, you know, we're on this plan of building – you know, trying to get to that next level of financial freedom. So maybe we can go live in um, more expensive places like Europe or Tokyo or back in the States for, and live in New York. Like I would like to do that someday. And, but yeah, this is a great place to grind. You're saving money and living a very chill, you know, relatively non-stressful lifestyle. And if you like food, that's always good um so yeah people are like all right guys i freaking get it how can i live this life (laughs) um and so yeah that's that's trevor and you know my kind of like i consider it like my job now because it's like all right i've been youtubing for three years you've been you know blogging for a long time it's like all right how can we actually provide value to the world and you know provide that next level value and our experience our experience helping people get to where they want to go um so yeah Go give me the the breakdown. Actually, let me just ask you this. What's the trick to high ticket dropshipping? What's the trick for people that are maybe looking into it?
0: Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of tricks. I'll tell you that Mm. Um, it's made up of a lot of little things. That's what I found out over time to really be successful You know, if you really want to start a store and you want to make, you know, more than just like a thousand bucks a month, if you want to make 5,000 net profit, 10,000 net profit a month, you've got to fill all the gaps. You've got to take all the steps. You can't take shortcuts. I just want to start with that. Um, But the one main trick is taking a profitable niche for sure. So, you know, there's so many niches out there. Basically, when I say a niche, what I mean is a product category, like one particular vertical of products. So for instance, like bath vanities, that's one, um, bath tubs, that's another, you know, um, outdoor patio furniture, that's a big, broad niche because you have things like patio sets, you have things like patio tables, you have pergolas, you have, um, you have like benches, you know, you have outdoor fountains, you have all sorts of stuff. So if you think about like a website like Wayfair or a website like House.com, they're basically big, broad sites. They cover tons of different niches right and so they're super profitable and they make tons of sales like i think uh wayfair did some god awful amount like seven billion dollars of sales in in q4 and which doesn't even come close to amazon which made like some crazy amount of like 160 billion dollars in q4 last year um but regardless of that you can take a piece of the pie you just have to understand that you have to start small enough so that you can gain traction right because it's a long startup process it doesn't happen overnight if you want to become successful with high ticket drop shipping you're selling more expensive products you are going to make more money per sale like you're going to make into the hundreds of dollars when you make a sale in net profit but the thing is you have to do a lot more work to start up to that point to get up to that point with the with the pre-sales information with the website conversion optimization um, with getting those suppliers on board and optimizing their products on your website and then driving the traffic and optimizing the traffic and doing the funnels like the email marketing. There's a lot of steps to do. Um, And it Mm -hmm. can take some time, but that's the key is starting off with a really profitable niche, starting with one product category. And that's what I teach my students is like, start with that one category and then you can grow out from there. It doesn't really matter what your site name is. Your site name should be specific to that one category to start with because you can always grow out into two or three or maybe four or five different categories within that one site name, even if the name specific to that first category that's okay to do i see that all the time so
1: okay um, there's different
0: models people take but that's what i recommend doing because it's worked really well for me
1: okay cool that's
0: that's the first trick
1: (laughs) so okay so i guess um yeah maybe you can just explain like if if someone is asking like why why wouldn't someone just order off of amazon where you can buy everything from a to z what's the what's the kind of philosophy behind that
0: yeah so everybody uh everybody knows about amazon these days of course you and i we all go to amazon to shop for things when we're we're in the u.s because it's just the go-to like they have free shipping that's fast right so like having fast and free shipping is super important you've got to set that up on your website you got to make that a big part of your marketing plan because amazon does and they'll beat you at it (laughs) Um, the other thing is making returns really easy amazon makes returns really easy Right, You just file it on your website and you're good to go. So I don't recommend making returns easy to file, but I do recommend marketing that you have hassle-free returns. It's a really good thing to do because customers are just looking for a hassle-free experience. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be easy. They can just write you, but that you just want a reassurance of that. And then Amazon has this brand built up from the work that they've done and put into their customer service. So you know that if you write Amazon, you have a problem with anything, they're just gonna immediately probably refund you and send you a t- call tag and stuff like that. And that's what keeps you coming back to Amazon. You know, if they, if you buy something on Amazon, you're dissatisfied, you might end up paying a little bit of a restock fee sometimes, but most of the time they'll just send you a call tag and ship it back. So you wanna just keep in mind that throughout the startup process of your high ticket and drop-shipping store that you're going to be building a brand image with your customer service, right? So every single customer you end up talking to is going to be a part of your brand as an overall picture of it so so that's the key of to competing with Amazon but the other thing is with driving traffic and having an optimized website so Amazon has a really optimized website and I made some videos on my YouTube channel you can just search e-commerce paradise in YouTube and there's a video in there where I talk about how Amazon kills it with their conversion optimization they do certain things like customer reviews they really focus on getting customer reviews and that's one of the biggest things about selling online if you have a website and you have high-ticket products with zero reviews, I guarantee your conversion rate is going to be really low even if you send a ton of traffic to it because that's the one thing people are looking for when they're looking to buy a product from a company. They're looking to see if the company is reputable, and they're looking to see if there's other people that have bought from that company that like those products and how the products are, right? Because they can find reviews on other websites, and if they don't find them on yours, then you don't look professional and you don't look reputable. So you got to add reviews to your website and the other thing Mm -hmm. to do is questions and answers which go along with the reviews So if you don't have questions and answers on your website, it looks like it just looks unprofessional It doesn't look like people are going on your website They're not asking questions and they're not getting answers Um, And then you can optimize that by replying to all the reviews and stuff like that making it look like you really care about the customers and just making it easy to shop through your website because Amazon man they make it so easy to shop through their your their website and make Mm -hmm. it easy to to buy more things too. And, and there's just so many things that they've done to optimize their website. It's insane. Yeah. But you can do it. You can do it with Shopify and the apps. It's really cool. And I know how, and I do it on all my stores and I show my students how to all. So it's pretty cool. So, cool, cool, um, cool.
1: So yeah, the way, so I used to be, I used to dabble in dropshipping, I'll say. And the way that I kind of think about it is like a lot of people like to shop on Amazon, but some people don't. And so this is kind of trying to get you know, a piece of the waterfall of some people don't like Amazon. You know, some people would rather buy from the brand website. So yeah, I kind of have to remind myself that not everyone shops on Amazon. A lot of people don't like to shop on Amazon, especially maybe when they're buying more expensive stuff because they want to deal. Yeah. Straight from the brand. I don't know. They're more comfortable doing that. Um, but yeah, and obvious, obviously, you know, the tricks of having a high converting website. I'm sure you're doing all that and you talk about that uh, in your course. Um, But okay. So what, what is the, the questions that are coming into my mind now is what is a good conversion rate for a high ticket item? And what is the trick to converting that is, um, is Facebook retargeting? Is that like, the golden nugget or how big of a part is, is retargeting and what's a, a good conversion rate?
0: Yeah, it's a perfect question. And it's actually just about to go into that. So it's, um, good leeway. So, so the deal is with high-ticket dropshipping, especially using a Shopify store, is that you're not going to get a ton of SEO links right away from the first page of Google. So you've got to be focused on paid traffic, Okay. So, in, especially in the beginning. Maybe months down the road when you get backlinks, when yeah. you have more content, you can get SEO and, and organic traffic and organic sales, which I do. Uh, to start off, to answer your question about the conversion rate thing, the average e-commerce store conversion rate industry-wide is 1% to 2%. That doesn't mean you're going to get one to 2% though, especially if you're not optimized, right? So I've had stores Mm -hmm. in the past that are in like really trendy, new technology niches that are down in like the 0.2%, 0.3% conversion rate. Mm -hmm. And it's just because there's a lot of people searching for it and they're not sure where to buy it and there might be a lot more competition too. So it really just depends Mm -hmm. on how much demand there is, how much keyword research, how much keyword search volume there is, and then how many competitors there are to buy from how many like broad site competitors versus niche site competitors there are and how you are at competing with them. Like how optimized is your website? How filled yeah. out are your product descriptions? How many reviews? How many, you know what I mean? And yeah, then a lot to of answer factors. About, exactly. And then to answer your question about the traffic and, and, and how you drive traffic. Yeah,
1: yeah. I guess, yeah. How does, where do you get traffic? That was my kind of next, I should have asked that first. How do you get no, traffic, no, man? How do you get the sales? People are, you know, I'm thinking like, all right, so Amazon, the big difference between the Amazon FBA and dropshipping is the Amazon FBA Amazon is kind of giving you that traffic, if, you've got, if you want to think about it. So you're paying the FBA fee as kind of your traffic. And with dropshipping, having you know your short, yourstore.com, you have to get the traffic. So that's kind of the main difference. And so yeah, where do you get the traffic?
0: So there's two different types of traffic that we can talk about here. The first type is search, search query-based traffic, and the second type of traffic is interest-based traffic. So a lot of people hear about dropshipping these days, right? And they know about AliExpress and Oberlo and Shopify, how you source products from China. And then Mm -hmm. you choose a low enough price point, so it's an impulse buy. And then you can use Facebook ads to target interests that are related to that product. And then that interest will probably, it'll pop up in someone's feed, like if someone likes elephants and they see this elephant shirt pop up in their feed, they're gonna be so hyped on it. that They're probably just gonna go buy it because it's like 30 bucks, it's no big deal to them. They like it so much, right? because you targeted them as an interest. Now, the difference between that type of dropshipping and this type of dropshipping is that high-ticket dropshipping, your products are more expensive, so people aren't going to just buy it because they see it. It's not an impulse buy. It has to be Mm -hmm. something where they find you when they're in the sales funnel for that product. In other words, they're showing interest for it. And so interest-based, search search query-based marketing means using search engine marketing generally Google, because Google owns like 99% of search traffic now. Um, there also is Bing and Yahoo, but they're very small. So you always start with Google and with Google on the front page, on the search engines results page, the first thing that always pops up when you type in any product category word or any product keyword is the Google shopping ads. So yeah. Google shopping ads are the first thing you'll look at and they have a picture and they have the store name, the product name, and the price. And then sometimes they even have a, a little free shipping thing or, you know, a discount little banner that you can set up in Google Merchant Center. But Google Shopping Ads is where it all starts. So that's where I recommend, obviously, starting with your marketing is Google Shopping Ads. You do that with Google AdWords and um, it's really easy to set up, but it's also very time intensive and confusing and, and weird to set up the correct type of ad Funnels and then to also do the correct um, optimizations and then do the negative keywords and all that. So that's what I teach in the courses how to do the correct funnels because you can waste a lot of money with Google shopping ads because the way they work is Google chooses the keywords for you. You don't get to choose the keywords. The only keywords mm-hmm. you get to choose are what Google does not show those ads for. So if you think about it, Google loves to spend your money, right? If you want to put up shopping ads with your feed um, and let's just say you sell um, Ottomans, right? Um, if anybody types in something like, um, picture of something I can put my feet on, Google will probably say, yeah, just show them that ad. That's totally fine. And then with that ad, then all of a sudden uh, somebody might click on that because they say, oh, yeah, that's kind of a cool-looking thing because it's a picture, and people are more attracted to pictures, right? Uh-huh. And Less than they are to text, and so they'll click on it. And then if it's like a tent, for instance, an $150 tent, um, they like that tent, but they're like, nah, you know, I don't know. Let me see what else is out there, and they'll click back out of it, and they'll go to the next one over, and then they'll click back out and go to the next one over. So Google Shopping is almost becoming a big marketplace like Amazon is. People go onto Google Shopping just yeah. to – Uh, compare and contrast um, niche websites to each other. It's kind of cool because they know that they can usually get better deals on niche websites. And this is another thing I forgot to mention, but Amazon usually does not offer coupon codes on their products unless the specific vendor has a coupon code or unless that person signs up for a credit card with them. So um, that's one thing you can do to compete, which is offering coupon codes on your website. And so, especially if you have a higher profit margin, um, people will know that, right? A lot of people have shopped on niche sites and know that they can go to niche sites and get coupon codes. They know that they can go and get free gifts, which is another thing I teach people how to do is offer free gifts to get conversions. Free and, nice. Uh, so they go to Google Shopping, to shop around all these niche sites. And that's that's definitely where you need to put your, play, your store first. All your listings should be on there. You need to optimize your feed. Um, you need to put them in the correct Google product category. You need to optimize your funnel. So you're only spending a lot of money on you know, really specific long tail keywords related to those products. You're not mm-hmm. wasting money on, you know, generic keywords that have nothing to do with that and yeah. that don't show any buyer intent, you know? And so there's a lot more that goes into that, but that's where you start. Got it,
1: topic. got it, got it, got it. So um, when me and Park were dabbling in the drop shipping in our early days back in our apartment in Seattle, and wait, are you from Seattle too as well?
0: Yeah, yeah, Oh. <laughs> okay. Ridge, you know where that is? <laughs> okay,
1: yeah, I forgot, yeah, let's Free go. One. Um, yeah. repping um, <laughs>
0: PNW in the house
1: yeah um, so state. so and we rules. were doing the yeah. the I remember the PLAs product listing ads and for our stuff I was doing um, inflatable jacuzzis wow, yeah. and Parker was doing batting cage equipment Okay. Yep. <laughs> and so we were just doing PLAs and so I think maybe that's just the start and we didn't really do anything After that like no retargeting or no I call it tricky traffic and in order to make enough money for a sale for once in order to get enough clicks to get enough traffic to get one sale it would basically break even and so what what are the tricks after Google shopping ads to uh, yeah what 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 are the other tricks for, for sure.
0: And I just want to throw in there really quick that you can optimize your ad spend with Google AdWords too. You're not stuck always paying those really high costs per clicks. Like I know some of the home-based niches can cost upwards of a dollar per click. And like you said, if you want to get a hundred clicks to make one sale and you're paying a dollar per click, you're paying a hundred dollars for those hundred clicks for that 1% conversion rate. And if you're not making like 150, 200, $250 on that sale, yeah. you're screwed. And that's another thing that goes back to niche selection is maybe those jacuzzis um, are like seven, 800 bucks each. You need to be selling yeah. products that are like up in the $2,000 plus category, you know? And yes, it takes more pre-sale support to sell stuff like that, but you're going to make around 20 to 25% gross profit So when you sell a $2,000 product, you're not making a hundred bucks. You're making like 500 bucks per sale or maybe even more depending on the supplier. Right? So that's another key to profitability is, is your price point and then optimizing your ads. So you're not spending so much. And then once that's, fixed correctly, like once you're making enough profit per sale and you have that conversion rate in place, you can drive more traffic and then you're getting sales and those are paying for the ads easily, even at a four X, five X level, which is what my stores do. And Mm -hmm. from there you have to drive targeted traffic through retargeting. So Mm -hmm. there's three main ways to do that. Um, The first way, which is really easy to set up is uh, email marketing and email marketing is super, super key to this whole, whole process. Um, all you have to do is use an app like Sumo and then you set pop-ups on your store, you can set an exit intent pop-up. That means when someone goes to leave your site that they'll see a little pop-up all of a sudden and it will give them like a coupon offer. And usually people will opt into that and it's really simple and easy. Right. And then once you have that set up, then, you know, maybe like five, three to 5% of the people that come like from those hundred clicks. So maybe like three to five people will sign up for that, but not actually buy anything. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll get an email series from you, like five or 10 emails that says all these things about, hey, like here's more value, but here's also some coupons and go buy your product now. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? And then you set up your abandoned cart sequence, which means that someone's really interested, but they just didn't have time to whip out the credit card for whatever reason and buy. Um, then you send them another email sequence there. Right. And then after the purchase, you got to send them like a post-purchase upsell sequence. So if you have like bike club delivery or other things, you can make your sale more profitable. So that's a way to raise your conversion rate and also make your sale more profitable. And that's all going to drive money back into your marketing budget, which you'll be able to drive more, you know, clicks and more traffic, which then drives the engine more. Okay. And then the second way besides email marketing is Facebook Mm -hmm. retargeting ads. Yep. So these are specifically Facebook dynamic product retargeting ads, meaning the Mm. only ad you're going to show to people is when it pops up in their feed, it's products that you've seen on that website before the same products you were browsing. So the the Facebook pixel will be able to pick up exactly what those products were that you were browsing on the website through the cookie. And then it'll bring it into Facebook and then you'll have some copy up there that includes your unique selling proposition and a, a, you know, a call to action with urgent and scarcity, urgency and scarcity. Um, and social proof, right? All those things are really important to throw into an ad really quick. Um, and then those get people back in because you know what, they've already shown interest in your product. They want to buy it for sure. They're interested in buying it through search engine marketing. Now you're targeting based on their interest of showing interest. It's perfect. So if you hit yeah. them with an email and you hit them with an ad at the same time, it's like the, it's like a double effect, right? They see mm-hmm. they see, saw the email, they got the notification, and now they see your ad because they're browsing Facebook. The am like, all right, these guys really want to sell to me. They look <laughs> professional. They're marketing to me really good. Um, let me just go and buy from them right now. I know I, w- I was busy earlier, but now I have yeah. time to do it on my computer or something like that, you know? So, um, nice, and By okay. the way, really quick, I want to throw out there that yeah. a lot of people don't realize that a lot of shopping happens on their mobile phone now. Like yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. has a mobile phone. And the thing about that is not everybody has time to buy stuff on their mobile phone. And when it comes to buying expensive products, usually you're not gonna make that purchase on the mobile phone, right? You're gonna set it down, think about it for like a day or so, because it's like a $2,000 item. And then you're gonna go back to your computer to finalize that decision. So what i realized is that if I optimize my bids for people that are coming to their computer and typing those things in again like sometimes they don't even go to facebook they just go back into google to see if you're going to show up and if you bid way higher on those computer searches then you'll often get those sales so that's another thing mm. i teach in the academy is, is how to do that to optimize for the for the device they're using because that's really key um, and then okay, the sweet. third way to drive traffic, I want to make sure is yeah. with organic traffic, right? Um, those are all paid avenues. And there's more paid avenues, but those are like the main ones. And we talk about like the eighty twenty principle, Pareto's principle is like 20% of your, your work gets 80%. The results. And I always do that, you know, like just set up your, set up your Google, ads, set up your Facebook, Ads, set up your email marketing and the rest of it can be done with content marketing. So content mm. is really key and content really helps you drive all these other paid traffic channels, right? Content helps you build up an email autoresponder content helps you um, make YouTube videos, which I really recommend for drop shipping, especially with high ticket stuff is people want to learn more about the products they're buying. You can make slideshow sales presentation videos, and that's a really great way to drive traffic from YouTube. And to also retarget people using YouTube ads later on. And then um, you can set up Google retargeting ads through the display search network, but it doesn't really work as well. I don't really get as good a result of that as I get with Facebook because people are gonna be searching on blogs and ads pop up and it's kind of, you know, interruption marketing in a way. So really I recommend sticking with, with Google, email, Facebook and YouTube videos, doing blog posts, really long blog posts and things like that and filling out your product description and content marketing. That's
1: a good nice 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 the other traffic source that comes to mind is have you had any uh, success with influencer marketing or know anyone that has with this type of thing.
0: You know, I, I do know a guy that does a lot with influencer marketing. I'm not exactly sure what his niche is. He's never revealed that to me. So I don't have him as a case study, unfortunately. The thing about high ticket stuff is that um, it can work with influencer marketing. You just have to make sure the interests are correct. Um, I don't do a whole lot with it. And I um, and I do see a whole lot of more of influencer marketing working with lower dollar products, um, mm-hmm. especially because see an influencer is someone you want to actually get their hands on the product. Um that's the key to making it work is that if you can get that product to the influencer, then they can test it out they can do a video with it. Like you see Casey Neistat, for instance, always doing videos on like electric skateboards and stuff like that, because that's what he does. He rides around electric skateboards all day. So now you see all these companies sending him electric skateboards, electric bikes, electric scooters, all these electric vehicles because they realize this dude's an awesome influencer. So he literally gets millions of views on every single video. Let me ship him a big product, you know, and and do it. So if you're a brand your profit margin is like 50, 60, 70% on those, those products because you're actually manufacturing in China and importing. You can afford to do that. But as a dropshipper, your margins are 25%. You can't afford to go do the marketing your brand should be doing by sending it to influencers. So the best thing you can do is just reach out and, and ask for like social media like hookups and stuff like that and just like communicate directly with your customers, communicate with influencers on social media, and see if you know they're interested in maybe like shouting you out or something like that. You can do shout-outs and things like that. But it just doesn't work as well you know, because the yeah. products aren't, so if it's
1: possible to get them your product, then maybe ship it to <laughs> them, you know, but that yeah, it, might be expensive even for even you. That. Yeah.
0: That's the problem. If you want to go out and private label a product that's in your, in your niche, then sure that, that would work. But the thing oh, is, it's, right. not, yeah, it's, it's not, not even your product. Yeah. Product. So what's the point of it? You're only making 25%. Um, it's just not great. And, and the, the key with this business model is you don't even want to work on that high, high top of the funnel stuff. You just want to capture those low hanging fruit. Below yeah. the, 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 the bottom of the funnel, people that are ready to buy and they're searching that product keyword in Google, you know, that's who you want to target and you want to get them back to your store and you want to close that sale with them. You want to have the phones ready to take that call because sometimes people just want to make the, the sale over the phone. And they want to make sure you're a real business. You mm-hmm. want to write back emails. You want to have that live chat ready for people and stuff like that. So okay. that's how it works.
1: sweet sweet that makes a lot a lot a lot of sense so that leads me into the next thing is how automated can you get this and you know per store how much work does it take you know per week or how much you work on each store per week for someone that's you know thinking about getting into it into this type of thing they want to know exactly the expectations
0: yeah, that's a great question. And of course, everybody's wondering that before they get into a business model, they're wondering how much work is this going to take? Is it really all that passive? And the yeah. answer is no, it's really not all that passive. You can get sales passively on your Shopify store. Like last night I got a nice cha-ching. I think it was like five in the morning, kind of woke me up. I had to try to go back to sleep. Um, <laughs> so you get sales in the middle of the night, that's great and all. And those, those sales will probably go through um, passively as well. Now. Um with that said, there's some sales that are like in the three, four, five thousand dollar range you can make, but you might have to take a phone call on that. You might have to do like a sales presentation and just talk to the guy and make sure you know the needs are really there and it's the right product for them and stuff, and then close a the sale and you might make a thousand bucks on that sale. So you know, there's like there's five hundred dollar sales that you make fifty bucks or a hundred bucks that are passive versus there's five thousand dollar sales that you'll make a thousand dollars even up to $2,000 sometimes that, um, but take a much more work upfront pre-sales and after sales support. So with that said, it also depends on the niche in the store. If, if your store is really big, if it's making like somewhere between 50 and a hundred thousand dollars in revenue per month, you're going to be on those phones, like all day long, emails all day long. And at that point, you really need to hire a virtual assistant or even a virtual assistant team to help you run the business because otherwise you will get completely burnt out. Um, because, when it comes to pre sale support and then after sales support and then follow up and then making updates to the website things can get so convoluted and so confusing um, that it's just really hard to keep up with everything so um, at that point you need to hire a va team and when you have a va team you just have to manage them and they do the work for you they take the calls they do the emails they do the support and stuff like that they do the sales so um so at that point it can be a lot more passive so i would say from zero to like two or $3,000 a month, it might take you like, I don't know, a, a few hours a day at the most to run your business. Honestly, probably a lot less because you just won't have that much going on. Um, so, you know, truly speaking, that would be like the four hour work week, right? In the very beginning, but you're not making the income that you want to see yet. So in order to get up to the income you want to see, like you want to see like 3,000, 4,000, $5,000 a month, you're going to have to start spending more time every day doing stuff and processing orders, but still in reality, it doesn't take much time to process orders. It doesn't take a whole lot of time answering emails. Phone calls are usually pretty short. Um, And when we're out here, we're doing it overnight. So we're just, you know, at night working anyways. Um, Out in the States, we're doing it during the day. So we're running around all over the place and doing this stuff. And it really doesn't take that much time, honestly. But once you get into that like $5,000 plus range, then and and that's right around when you hit that like $50,000 a month level in revenue, you're gonna have to start outsourcing. There's just no question for sure. And then you're gonna spend probably, I would say at least a few hours a day, you know, maybe four or five days a week i would say probably like five managing this stuff and, and that's yeah problem, you know i mean you just wake up in the morning you do like an hour of work you know afternoon you find an hour or two and then at night you maybe do a few more hours and it really just depends too on how much you want to grow your business you know like yeah are you cool with Business being where it's at or do you want to scale you know and, and that's going to take more time so but that's yeah, yeah.
1: i like it's how you say less, that
0: it's less time than a normal job and it's way more money it's way, way better money too in my opinion I love this money. Passive money. Most most of it. That's a the that's
1: money. yeah, that's a great way to put it. Less less, you know, less demanding than a regular job and you can make as much or more if you want to cuz it can be scalable and you can do it from wherever. You can be yeah, working from wherever, working from home, you know, the dream or working from a tropical paradise um uh-huh. e-commerce you, you paradise don't
0: have to be in the u.s to start a u.s business anymore you can be in the uk you can be australian you can be even thai like i have a thai student i have a malaysian they, they all have u.s based businesses so you can go to the u.s and start a business if you're outside the u.s and you want to travel and do the travel lifestyle and stuff like that um, and it's really easy the u.s they let you set up a ein they let you set up an llc out there um, you can get a business bank account with TransferWise. And that's free. And then you just wow. have to go and set up a, uh, a seller's permit in one of the states that you're going to be, that your LLC is located in, and you're good to go. So, and I, I cover that whole process um, in the course. So it's, it's fairly simple and straightforward. It's wow. hard to
1: do. Yeah, that's great to know. It doesn't cost um, that much money. That's great to know. So, um, I guess back to the scaling a little bit what is kind of your method? Do you focus on one store at a time or do you have multiple stores? And are you, do you have a VA team yet? Or, and, or do, when you get to a certain level, do you sell the store? Um, so yeah, what's kind of your, your strategy and vision with growing?
0: So yeah, definitely multiple stores, uh, two or three. But the problem with having multiple stores is that your your attention is diverted a few different places. Because if you look at any business, it might start off with just a few things to do, but it turns into this fractal of things to do, like things to do all over the place. Because yeah. you own the business, it's not you're not really taking advantage of some things like like Amazon FBA. You're taking advantage of their team. To handle the shipping, the fulfillment, and the returns and things like that. Um, and here, you're taking advantage of suppliers, but you still have to provide a lot of support when it comes to that stuff. So, um, you know, it's similar, but but truly speaking, you have to focus on probably at the max like two or three stores at any time. So that's what we do. We have th- we have three stores, and um, the thing about that is that. Uh, when you get into that level, when you have three stores making a lot of money, um, you have to spend a lot more time managing VAs. And yes, we do have a team. And the thing about having a team is that you have to hire specialists. You can't just hire like generally broad VAs. I do recommend hiring a data entry VA, which is kind of like a guy that will just literally do exactly what you tell him to do, or a girl but have a team of people that like one person knows really good how to upload products to your website. One person knows really good how to set up email campaigns. One person knows really good how to go manage your Google AdWords. One person knows really good how to do each little process in your business because each process matters. Um, And having one customer service rep per site is important as well because there's so much uh, business that happens just in one website and all the suppliers and stuff that if you try to have one person manage multiple websites it can get really confusing. So Uh, one rep per website and then we're not at the stage yet but you can go hire a business manager someone to replace i actually yourself and go manage your business but honestly i don't like stepping out of my business like being in the business because then i know that everything's working properly you know i always i always like driving manual stick shift cars and 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 driving motorbikes that are that are you know clutched motorbikes is this a lot of fun being in your business and actually running the thing and 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 managing it uh, myself so that's what i do but Yeah, I definitely recommend doing that. Um, There's no Mm -hmm. better way to even start or scale a business than to have all these subcontractors working on your business. Um, I use Fiverr for project-based work and I use onlinejobs.ph for customer service reps and data entry VAs. Um, Data entry is kind of like having project-based VA, but you have one guy who can basically do anything that's super simple, kind of like a computer program. You just kind of write out a quick instructional guide make a video and then send it to him and if it's like a process that you have to repeat over and over and over again it's gonna take you a lot of time and make you want to blow your brains out just send it to this guy he'll do it for you in like yeah. a half an hour to an hour you know and, and it, it costs maybe three to four dollars per hour um, generally speaking depending on how much experience these VAs have in the Philippines and so mm-hmm. it's really good um, our a lot of our project-based work is done in India and in Bangladesh our, our customer service and other data entry stuff is done in the Philippines. So. Um, yeah it costs a lot less doing things that way and you can manage them and you just have to make sure you go through the hiring process for the customer service reps really really good because if you don't you can totally screw it up and customer service is so key to your business brand and you have to make sure you hire the right people and that they have a good Mm -hmm. attitude and they are really truly helpful and sympathetic with your customers and then they're just intelligent
1: in the first place
0: and they're able to solve problems smart people people, yeah yeah exactly it's super key man you can't you can't you know cut short on that stuff so
1: okay cool yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick your brain on that interviewing process because I've been trying to build my team of, you know, smart people. And um, I'm like, what does it take? Like, do you have to send them like an intelligence test? Like, um, Anyways, I'm still, you know, I have, a, I have a few VAs, but, you know, always looking for, you know, there's always room to improve. Um, one one so, of the keys there
0: yeah, is you can actually make test phone calls to your business as if you were a customer and just throw mm. like a really hard problem at them. And see how they respond, mm. and do that within the first few days of hiring them. Just act like somebody you're not. You know, it might seem weird at first doing that. Um, you could even hire like a secret shop for service to do it for you, but you can just do it yourself. Um, and that's a good way to test them out to see within the first few days of hiring them to see if they're even like gonna work or not. You know. Great. So, okay. So these they, so they they are, they'll be I'll try to handle the issue.
1: So your your customer service people like they're on they're answering emails, live chat, and phone calls basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and do you still take some phone calls yourself, or?
0: Yeah, if it's like a big problem customer, or maybe it's a big sale, or something that we just really want to make sure it gets handled correctly, then we can have them forward the call to us. As okay, as so
1: as you'll be like you'll be like the boss. You'll be the escalation.
0: That's correct. Big the the, boss, close the, the sale,
1: and, and <laughs> that speak, makes sense. Can I
0: speak to the manager, please? <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Right. And you're the, you're like the manager. All right. That makes sense because you're closing. You know, like I used to go door to door. You know, I'm I'm only making like you know 50 100 200 commission and you're making like more than that so it's definitely worth you know your time to take even like an hour with the customer you know make 500 bucks like like a couple yeah. hundred bucks for sure and if you um, really delight now,
0: them the lifetime value of the customer will be higher too they'll probably come back and refer people to you and stuff like that especially with more expensive products a lot of times you're selling to older people and the cool thing about older people like the baby boomers and the you know, late baby boomers is that they love to talk to their friends about everything and they just talk yeah. talk 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 so they'll actually tell their friends all about you and your store and then their friends will all come by from you too. So it's definitely worth your time.
1: Nice. Yeah. Whip out your little customer service hat and and do them, <laughs> do them good.
0: Yeah. Um, to, yeah, the Rolodex. Yeah. Okay,
1: cool, cool. So, um, let's go, if someone is getting started, um, for what's a realistic timeline for choosing a niche, how long do you recommend to do niche research? And yeah, what is the what is the overall niche research process look like? And then after that, you can quickly answer how long does it take to set up a site and get all the products on there? And yeah, how long does it take to get up a, a site to to par with yeah? And and do you use VAs usually to set up the site?
0: Yeah. All good questions. I'll answer all three. So um, for sure, first thing I want to point out is that it depends on you. It depends on the person, right? Um, It depends on your ability to make decisions, right? Big, important decisions in your life. So if you don't know how to make like decisions on a daily basis, just go outside and start like practice making small decisions because small decisions will lead to the ability to make big decisions and decision making is a lot harder than it seems. And for some people, man, they just like can't make big decisions. Like what niche to choose? Um, at the end of the day, you just have to make sure that niche ha- fits the criteria, you know, the pricing criteria is there, the, the search volume criteria, the competitors the suppliers are there, um, that, you know, it's not just, it's not trending down or it's not like a super seasonal niche, you know, there's all these criteria I talk about. You just have to make sure it matches and, and that you would be apt to selling that product. You're going to become a salesman of that product you're gonna to have to take those calls and sell it. So you have to understand it. So watch some buyer's guides videos on YouTube or go read some buyer's guides on the product line. And just make sure that you're going to be able to commit yourself to understanding this product line well enough to sell it. Because if, if you get caught by your suppliers or your customers not knowing anything about these products and trying to sell them on your store, you're gonna look unprofessional. So that's key. Um, but choosing a niche can take anywhere between a day to like months. It just literally depends on the person and um, it takes a day to do research honestly google works instantly you can just plug all the figures in i have all these tools that are really easy to use and free um and you can just choose an itch in a day okay so if if you can get good at making decisions you can do that now the website startup process takes a little bit longer but the way i teach how to do it is you set up a demo site first and then you set up a uh, optimized website next so the demo site is optimized to get suppliers whereas the optimized website is optimized to get customers and sales. So the demo site process can take, again, a day or two, maybe three. Like usually it's around three because what I do, I do utilize outsourced VAs to go ahead and add those products to the website because that's the longest process it can take mm-hmm. is to add products to the website. And it literally costs $5 to add 50 products using the gig on Fiverr that I use. So um, that speeds up that process really fast and then um and then from there you just go through and you optimize the built-in Shopify supply thing which is free and it's really easy to set up you just set up some key pages set up um your key collections and then you go from there so it's a super easy like straightforward process like I said it takes a few days um, but the most important thing is you have your business set up and that can take upwards of a week or two maybe three at the most so you got to get your LLC which takes a day or two um, and then you got to get your EIN, which can be instant online or you have to call, you know, if you're out of the country. Um, and then you got to get your business bank account once you have that, which can take a day or two or online if you do transfer wise, if you're out of the country. Um, and then you've got to go get your seller's permit, which is key. And the seller's permit in Wyoming can take, you know, upwards of a week or two to get. And it's different in every state to get a seller's permit. Like Florida's seller's permit is different. California is different. Nevada is different. So um, it just depends on that. But that process can take a week or two, which in the, in the meantime, you build your demo site up. So you're a couple of weeks in, you've got your business all done, you got your seller's permit, you've got your demo site, and now you got to go get suppliers. And this is like the scariest part for a lot of people, is actually getting on the phone with these uh, suppliers, which are basically just you working for some company out there trying to sell products, you know, having a day job. So it's like it's like you're talking to either another entrepreneur who owns a small business, or you're talking to a rep who works for a bigger business, who just manages their, their dealers and you know, their wholesalers and stuff like that. So you just have to get in the right mindset that you own a business, you're a business owner, and that you are providing a services that's marketing and also taking a lot of things off their hands like customer service and stuff so they want you most of these people want you unless they're like either too big or they got other things going on they're selling direct so that that process can take either a few days or a few weeks or a few months it just depends on your ability to to make those phone calls to send those emails out and to get the suppliers on board Um, But then once you do that I usually recommend getting at least three to five suppliers and then you add all the stuff to your website Which the optimization part does take quite a bit of time I would say it can take anywhere between a week or two to like a month or or more Depending on your ability to sit down at your computer and get the work done every day Um, It's different for somebody if they work a full-time job, you know And they're trying to start this up because they're not gonna have all the time in the world It's it's you know, it takes more time uh, if somebody has a family for instance like there's a lot of other obligations people have in their lives that you got to try to maybe cut out some of those things and if you you know want to start this business and you have a family and you have a full-time job you've got to get rid of the Facebook feed time you got to get rid of the TV time and the movie time yeah. you got to get rid of the, 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 the talking with friends all the time time you know you got to get rid <laughs> of the parties and stuff like that and it's just a quick sacrifice it doesn't have to take you don't have to do that the rest of your life you just have to get rid of that time for like a month or two and that's it so if you're willing to sacrifice, some time for the next month to get this business started. I guarantee you can start this business within a month or two, and then get it going and start sending paid traffic and getting sales uh, by your second month. Guaranteed, um, it's not that difficult. You just have to be willing to make the sacrifice.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. Like as always, same with Amazon FBA, same with any business. You know, it's up to you how much time you want to put into it, but you can do it on your own time because you're starting your own business. You're starting a real business. You're starting an, an online store. So yeah, like me and Parker did, we cut off the TV, started consuming only YouTube on, you know, things that were relatively more productive than, you know, watching every NBA game. Um, but yeah, that's, that's mindset stuff. And people watching this interview or, and listening to it are probably already there, like going towards that path. So they already know it's good. Um, but okay. So let me do a quick recap of the whole dropshipping process. So, of course, you're going to start by choosing a niche. And then after you choose a the niche, then you uh, you make a quick demo site of, you know, your niche, yourawesomeniche.com. And then that demo site is going to allow you to look reputable to suppliers. So you're going to call, like, like these are, like, manufacturers of these, like, let's just say like the coffee makers or like um, the tents, like the example that we just saw, you're gonna call all these tent brands and you're gonna ask, hey, I'm, a, I'm an online retailer, we'd like to carry your brand. Is that, the, is that the gist of it?
0: Yeah, so we kind of skipped a little thing, didn't we? Um, let's get into that. So when you're doing your niche selection research, what you wanna do is you wanna find your competitors. You wanna find other niche-specific, dropship-only stores that are selling because the key there is that you wanna find people that are doing what you're doing so, and you also want to find them that are only doing drop shipping, so that you know that all their suppliers they list on their website are dropship friendly suppliers. So they off they offer dropshipping accounts. They do dropshipping mm-hmm. with their with their online dealers. So once you have that list of competitors, you go through their website and you find all the suppliers, and then you make that full master supplier list. And that supplier list will usually be brands, and sometimes like two or three or more brands are shipped and and, uh, and owned by the same parent company, which is like a distributor or something like that. You find that a lot, but yes, you do want to get accounts with brands. That's the key thing. Um, and those you can find on your competitor sites. So that's how you do Okay. That. So
1: you use the competitor sites to figure out, all right, which, which brands are already doing this essentially.
0: Correct. And you find them through Google shopping just like you were a
1: customer shopping for them. So. Boom, done. So yeah, of course, way more details on your uh, on your course and program and YouTube channel and all the details of all this. Um, so yeah, after that, I guess you have you know multiple brands on your store, get the traffic, like the methods that we were talking about, um, fulfill it, you know, basically after you get an order, you're basically taking the, cust- the customer has already paid you. Then you are basically taking their name and address and and telling the manager, sending forwarding the email or whatever to the distributor and they're delivering it right to the customer's doorstep. That's correct. <laughs> all right, cool. So yeah, there's that and yeah, then right. um of course all the optimizing your site and then yeah. like slowly more adding more products, it, yes. slowly adding more products and and optimizing the marketing.
0: That's right. Yep. It is a uh, laborious process, but, um, if you don't mind sitting down your laptop, you know, at a co-working space for a few yeah. hours a day for a few months and you'll, uh, you'll get it done.
1: Yeah. 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 This whole laptop lifestyle is, uh, you know, people it's, are it's listening hard. to this, <laughs> people <laughs> listening to this are probably already down with it, but like, it's definitely not for everyone, but you're probably, yeah, you're probably not consuming this yeah. piece of content if you're not already into it. But like, you know, most people at their jobs are sitting in front of a computer anyway it's just it's more the biggest
0: thing though is that man like working on the computer can be some of the hardest work you'll ever do in your life because because of your brain. Like we're not wired to do this kind of stuff. We're wired to do work out there, you know? Like where we came from our evolutionary traits, we're wired to go run, we're wired to swim, we're wired to ride a bicycle, we're wired to like to interact with people, we're wired for driving and, and transportation. Like we're not wired for computer work. So like we're kind of sort of like evolving as a species, learning how to do all this stuff on computers. Because if, if you think about it, like computers haven't been around for that long. Like. It, I mean, in the 1980s, they started doing computer stuff, which is only like 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Um, that's crazy to think about, but think about like how the future generations are going to grow into this, how we're, we're making them used to smartphones and using laptops and, and, and technology is changing all the time. So, you know, future generations are probably going to have like new evolutionary traits where they're better able to deal mentally with the issues you come across on a computer. Cause yeah, some of the technology issues can drive you nuts, man, especially like just dealing with them, oh, yeah. sitting down, something's not working like with the code. It's just like, Oh, why, you know, and you get, yeah. you kind of get mad sometimes and I mean, that's just something you have to learn to deal with and learn to cope with.
1: You know, it's stress, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, you know, technology is a double-edged sword. It always <laughs> has been since the invention of fire. But, yeah, I, I, I love technology, obviously, so much. and yeah. But it can, it, be, it 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 can be the most, it. It, yeah, it makes my whole fucking dream happen. You know, it makes <laughs> the dream happen. You know, I love my iPhone so much. I love my computer so much. <laughs> I love this microphone. Um, And, uh, but technology can be the most frustrating thing ever when it doesn't work. Um, But yeah, that's, you know, pros and cons to everything. There's pros and cons to, you know, having a cubicle job. There's pros and cons to having a, you know, freelance, whatever you want to call it, do it on your own laptop type job. Right. and um, yeah okay I think this is a great kind of beginner's guide for people to know kind of what's involved and then you know looking into the future you, you mentioned that you sold in an online store for $50,000 um, have you have you sold other stores and are you planning to do that what's your philosophy on that
0: Yeah, I've sold three now. So the first one I sold for 50. The second one I sold for 48 or uh, sorry for 60. And the third one I sold for 48. Um, We just recently sold another store a few months ago. That's when I really decided to start focusing on building this course out because I have some more money to work with now. So um, we already have other stores set up because we've, created processes and we've created templates for ourselves and that's the same stuff i'm offering in the course so like all the templates and and the themes and the and the processes i give that to the students so it's all in there and i'm building a case study site as i build out the course so it's taken a bit longer to build a case study because i actually have to film the whole process and document it and try to do it in a step-by-step mm-hmm. process instead of just kind of piece it all together at once um, but it's coming out really good and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it So um, I figured because like most courses they just kind of go through like how to do it as a, like an overview as a topical overview And then you actually have to go do the work What I wanted to do is a little bit different actually build out a real site a real business as in building the course So people can not only get exactly Detailed tutorials on how to do it But they can actually see the results of it as it builds out and then I'll be able to use those case study results in the next month or two As it launches um, to help promote the course of course because then I can show you hey guys I actually built this course in in here or the site in the course and it's making this much per month now so that's that's the goal there so it's gonna be really good
1: dope 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 and as an as an overview like when you sold those sites they existed for how long and how much were they making monthly profit
0: so the first site existed for quite a bit of time we started uh, it's, it existed in different um, formations I think so The very first site I started, we ended up shutting that down um, because it was on eCrater, which is an eBay alternative. You don't really own the site, um, and they drive traffic for you. I wanted to start my own site, so I started on WordPress in 2013, and we sold it in 2015, so about two years of ownership there. Um, We were making, on average, um, from the website, about um, $2,700 a month. And so from that $2,700 a month uh, net profit, um, which, of course, it was higher in the summer and lower in the winter because it was a seasonal niche. Um, midsummer, we were, we were making like eight to 10 grand net profit per month, and in, in the winter, it just dips like crazy. Um, and so, anyways, uh, the average over the whole year was around 2,700. So, the uh, multiple is right around, I think, 22 or something like that, 23. Um, which is pretty average for an e-commerce site and um, you know it really just depends on how much processes you have in place do you have a team managing the site or not and um, at that time we did not have a team managing that site so we were kind of you know tired of using it so we sold it and that was that so 2700 a month um, average net profit throughout the whole year it came out to like 350 and we actually were able to expand upon that using amazon and ebay to sell the same products drop ship those and we were able to hit that 500k uh annual number with those sales channels. So that was cool, but we did not sell the sales channels with the site, so they didn't count on that revenue. Um, The second site, we started in a similar niche and we got it up to profitability within about six months uh, because we were still fairly new at it back then in 2016. And uh, and then over the course of the next year, we made on average around thirty two hundred a month. I think was the average. It was the same sort of seasonality, so it was a similar niche. Um, and then we sold that for sixty k, which is actually discounted. We were going to sell it for about eighty k, but it just didn't work out because the niche was very um, it's very complicated. There's a lot of after support issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. People have to deal with, so it's kind of a headache niche. And really, you know, it was a yeah. Little yeah. Bit,
1: people was people want to buy passive cash flow businesses, exactly. right? Like, like, like who who would want to buy a store like this?
0: Yep. And the other thing on that one is we had recently fired our VA before um, we went to sell the site because she was just messing up and, and the guys were, were willing to take it on because they already had a customer service team. So we, we got a little bit lower than we wanted to get for it, but that was okay. We still made pretty good money. And yeah, that site did a similar number of uh, half a million dollars in sales in, in uh, 2017. Nice. So that's what we sold it with. Um, and this recent site, we actually started up using um, using the same methods in a completely different niche. And we started it in mid-December and then um, come April, we made 80K in sales. So we started uh, hitting some crazy numbers. Um, and then we just decided to go and actually take Shopify Capital for the site. So Shopify Capital, if you guys don't know, it's a program where you can get a mass influx of cash flow in exchange for um, a merchant cash flow percentage of your uh, incoming sales. Mm-hmm. So the deal with that is that um, we basically just turned down, turned down our ads a lot. So our ad spend is close to you know 10 bucks a day instead of $100 a day. And we're still getting sales because we have a little bit of ads up, and our website is super optimized. We have our email flows, our Facebook retargeting is still working, and so we are spending money on that site still, and we still own everything about it. But we got the good payout of about forty-eight thousand, so we're really happy on that, and we're now able to take that cash flow, invest it in ourselves, invest it back into building uh, new sites, invest it into building out the course more. So. It's working out really well for us, and um, and yeah, we don't you know have to pay it back at any certain time. That's the best part about Shopify Capital is that they'll actually hook you up um, as long as it takes you to pay that out. Um, that's what they do. They just take money out of your sales. So when you make sales on that site, um, it just goes back to paying off that capital. And with my current calculations, it'll take us about a year and a half to pay that site off, and we'll own it again. So it's a good way to get some uh, some investment. It's just like selling a site without having to sell it, which is kind of cool.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah, Amazon does the same thing. They'll offer you uh, they'll offer you capital. Um,
0: so if you see more okay. opportunity somewhere else just you know go for it but you got to yeah. be willing to work that's the thing you can't get lazy money can make you lazy you're not yeah, get lazy. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah yeah it's the grind you know it's with this online game you know the is the, the limit you can go as far as you can as far as you really want um, whatever you're comfortable with and um, just real quick question at the end like someone buying your sites are these like usually bigger sites that want to buy you up or are they just like uh, internet investors yeah who who was a typical like buyer for a small niche site
0: the the buyers that are willing to spend more money usually are people that either own other niche sites already like own you know in similar niches and they just want to expand to that niche they just don't want to put all the time and effort up front to start it or mm-hmm. they are bigger website owners you know and it, so it's generally mm-hmm. speaking that you know, you're not going to find somebody who doesn't have a website already that wants to start one, who's going to be a good person to sell to, because they're mm-hmm. going to take way more support um, trying to sell the site, you know, trying to understand the methods, trying to understand all the stuff, and it's going to be a pain in the butt. Whereas somebody who already has niche sites, mm-hmm. they understand the processes, they can, maybe probably already have a team, which ours already had a team, so they already have someone to take over the customer support stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really easy then yeah. the transition to that. So they probably want to uh, they want
1: to buy it and grow it basically.
0: Yeah. And the one platform I definitely recommend using if you're going to sell a niche site like that's a high-ticket dropshipping site is uh, is uh, Empire Flippers. They do a really good mm. job. They um, they set you up with a really great seller's profile um, and they market it really well. So they, they found us um, some good ones and, uh, and we're really happy we use them. So definitely recommend. Yeah,
1: I know Empire Flippers myself. Yes, I know Greg over there, Empire Flippers. I met him in Saigon. He was actually a fan of my channel and he uh, he recognized recognized me at a bar in Saigon one time. A guy that works for Empire Flavors. Um, But, okay, dude, I think this is great. I want to go do this. Um, But, hey, I'm only one man. But, yeah, I'm trying to get more VAs. But, no, yeah, this is great. I think that was a great beginner's guide for people looking into dropshipping. And, of course, you guys can find more about Trevor, ecommerceparadise.com, and also catch him in Bali skating at the skate parks doing kick flips and 360s and push shove Kick push, kick, push. <laughs> You catch him kick pushing in Bali. And uh, yes, also check out his podcast, right? Ecommerce Paradise Podcast.
0: That's right. And um, I do have a niches list that's free. So if you guys want to go sign up, just go to ecommerceparadise.com. And right there at the top, you can sign up for uh, the mini course and the niches list. So I have a free mini course, free niches list. Um, it's a perfect thing to get you started. So definitely go to the website and sign Boom. up
1: for those. I am taking notes from you. I am. I Recently, just finished my, mini, my mini, mini course and always working on that as well as my niches list. So, thanks for those ideas. And uh, yeah, that was a great one hour podcast. Check them out, links in the description, all that stuff. Subscribe to all the subscribe buttons around your screen. And we'll catch you guys on another episode of Living That Life.
0: Thanks for
1: having me on, Riley. Listening to the Living That Life Digital Nomad Podcast. Hit the subscribe button on iTunes if you're a boss, and check out the YouTube channel for dope travel videos. Let's get it.